Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 228. Glad you could join us. We've got a good list of topics here, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with bait. Oh, did you say my name? See, the problem is that we've, we've fallen into this like cycle of Zell is usually always here, and it's always top of the list with Soraya Zell. If they don't hear that, their brain stays shut off, and they don't know where to go. So yes, bait, you are up. Wow, yeah, so I apologize for that, guys. Uh, hi, as Pookie said, my name is Bait. I'm a, uh, I'm a Florida man and a college student. And occasionally, I like to play games, and at the end of the month, I will be playing uh, games for like two weeks, and then I will have to drag myself back to doing homework. Are you going to write a blog post on how Red Dead Redemption 2 ruined your college career? Yes. <laughs> I think I've asked this before, Bade, but if you don't mind sharing, what are you going to college for? Uh, so right now, I'm going to college to be uh, completely useless to society aside from law school. Um, so I'm going for a political science and history double major right now. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. Mm -hmm. All right, Jay, you are up. Hey guys, what's up? This is Jason. I'm also one of the uh, co-hosts here on Biomast, and I have been playing games, uh, kicking a lot of Gambit, things like that, and sort of patiently waiting on the, uh, the next drop of, uh, fall games for everybody. But so far, that's, uh, that's it. It's a pretty good, uh, Pretty good weekend up here in the uh, the major D Detroit metropolitan area. Still have some RoboCop, but I'm eagerly waiting on the medium. All right, and Libby, you're up. Hello, I'm Libby, um, co-host here, and I also do uh, the Dungeon Crawl with Pokey whenever we have time to actually play, and uh, some of the YouTube stuff for Project Nova. And I am Pokey Draven. I help do the show here. I, uh, like I said, do, like Libby said, do uh, the dungeon crawl with her. We get a chance and we're doing a lot of the Project Nova stuff, which is pretty fun. Uh, like I said before, uh, Zell could unfortunately not make it this week, but uh, he is here in spirit. So to get things started off, did anyone see the uh, Venom movie this week? Uh, not yet. Were you planning on seeing it? This, this weekend, and that was... One of the things we thought about kind of going to go do, but uh, basically we had two or three people get sick in the family like all on Friday. So we sort of tabled that for a little bit later, later down the line. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I didn't see it. I didn't have any intention of seeing it, um, but just kind of looking it over because I know this is kind of a big one that popped up. Uh, people are kind of looking at it. So it actually set some box office records. Um, it made $80 million opening weekend, which was pretty solid for this time slot. Uh, I think that actually broke the record of the previous one, which was Gravity during the uh, the fifth through the seventh, and that was a fifty-five point eight. So it actually smashed the record for that, which is really good. Um, it reportedly had a budget of like a hundred million, so it's well on its way to you know doing pretty well. Uh, and the Ed Credits also set it up for a sequel, which is you know if it's being financially good, then you know the sequel's ready and they're they're gonna work on it. So that should be neat, but. The one thing that kind of caught my attention is despite the sales, it's getting really bad reviews, like a 32% on Rotten Tomatoes and like a 35% on Metacritic. Like people don't generally like this film, but it is selling really well, which is kind of strange. Well, that's just the original intrigue, just like Gravity. Everyone's like, oh yeah, I want to go see what that's all about. And I mean, it's a great movie. Just everyone wants to go see it. Well, you know, I, I will say this. The, uh, I think you know, at least the general take that I've gotten from folks is that it's not, um, and again, I, I'm saying this purely off hearsay, not, not, not so much reviews, 
it's it's one of those you either kind of dig it or you really kind of don't. And, the, and they said it was surprisingly humorous, not in a wow, this movie's so bad it's it's funny kind of way, but actually the there's some pretty good humor. Like you know, everybody likes to say shades of Deadpool. You know, or like kind of you know, I, I think they're going for a Deadpool tone, um, which you could argue is as much of a comedy as, as a superhero movie, I suspect. But uh, they said it's definitely a more serious superhero movie, but they, they were definitely going for that more humorous vibe in parts of it. And they said that, that, believe it or not, they pulled it off. That being said, again, the reviews that I've gotten were, were pretty mixed. Um, and again, most times when you hear like mixed reviews, that generally means it's like, it's like six and a half out of 10, you know, something like that. It's like literally, hey, I like some of it. I didn't like some. I'm seeing at least anecdotally a little bit more of, yeah, I thought it was a good movie or yeah, I didn't care for it at all. There's kind of a hot or cold running thing on it. Yeah. I've been kind of tracking the same thing and and this, what people described it as is it's almost kind of like that um, cult classic formula where it's like objectively, it's not a very good movie, but people who like it really, really like it. Um, and, you know, and that could work, you know, I mean, there's plenty of films that, that people consider called classics, which we still talk about today and they could be 15, 20 years old, you know? So, I mean, it, it sounds like it has some staying power if they made money on it and if they feel that they could do it again and they're sagging up for a sequel, I could see them going that route in the future. I think, I think one of the things that in, in all honesty is probably, this is probably them playing it very conservatively and also there's probably some legal pieces to it, but when it doesn't really touch any of the bigger Marvel characters, yet everybody knows this is a, like a, a pretty key Marvel property. It, it sort of sends a weird message to the audience too. That was one of the other things. Like I had one person kind of comment that they, they thought there would be more like, I think they actually went into it thinking it was maybe part of the MCU I think they went into it maybe thinking it was maybe part of the MCU. Uh, so they were very, not off-put, but very kind of surprised that there was like no real, that there was no real, you know, link to the bigger Marvel universe. Even though I don't think the movie was, that's clearly never ever was not meant to have that. Well, especially since a lot of its marketing was really a, hey, are you sick of superhero movies? You should check out this crazy anti-hero character. Um, it was definitely trying to distance itself, I think, from everything going on with, you know, the, the rest of, of this kind of genre. But I, like, like you were saying, I could totally understand why people would feel, hey, this is confusing because we know it's tied to Spider-Man. I mean, it's, that's what it is in, in some cases. Um, and legally, it's not. And it's been so convoluted with, you know, like, for example, like, you know, you, you can't, uh, Disney can't make a standalone Hulk movie, um, but they can have the Incredible Hulk. And it's, it's kind of this weird, confusing legal stuff. And I don't think people really grasp it. I certainly can't get my head around every single little detail there is. So, like you said, going into it, you're, you could very well be expecting more of what you've been probably watching, you know, for the last five, ten years and be a little confused that it's not attached to that at all. Yeah, one one thing I will say is uh, that I've gotten pretty good comments on is, you know, I kind of expected this. They generally said that Tom Hardy was quite good in it. So, I mean, he's generally good in most things he does. I haven't seen really not, like, just yeah, horrible in anything. It. it keeps doing it. Okay. So, did you guys catch that? I didn't, actually. Uh, I, I said uh, one of the comments I got was generally that Tom Hardy was pretty good in it, but I really expect that of him because he's, he's 
good in pretty much everything he's in. Pretty much. Yeah, no, I've, I've been kind of tracking that as well. That he did a really good, a really good job with the performance. That might be kind of what's been holding it together and making it, you know, still appealing to some people. So, like I said, I'm probably not going to go see this one, so I'll have to kind of rely on you, Jay, to give me your direct thoughts when you go check it out. But uh, it should be interesting to see, you know, how this this does moving forward. Pay attention. Yeah, I would say this is this might be one of those this catch on Netflix kind of kind of things. You know, that's. That's probably where I would come down on it. Uh, mm. I think this is a kind of catch it on Netflix. No, I'm not doing it. This might be a catch it on Netflix kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, I would probably mirror that. And uh, it'll be a good Cinema Sins uh, <laughs> watch as well. That's, that's usually how Lydia and I catch a lot of movies. We don't want to watch the whole thing up. It's like how to break down mediocre movies in about 15 minutes. It's, it's a lot of fun. Okay, so moving along here, I know that uh, Jay and Libby talked a bit about this a couple weeks ago when everyone else was gone, involving Telltale Games being shut down, particularly with the lawsuit and all the employees and that sort of thing. And it was kind of up in the air regarding what was going to happen with kind of like the last last chunk of The Walking Dead, the, the Telltale Game version of it. Um, so I'm going to kind of hand this over to Libby because she did the research on it to talk about what's going on with that and how the game's going to be finished and that sort of thing. So Libby, tell us about what's going on with The Walking Dead. Yes, so a couple of days ago, um, the news came out that Skybound Games, and it's actually Skybound, Skybound Entertainment, which is a comic book behind The Walking Dead, um, is going to work with, hopefully, uh, the original um, development team to complete The Walking Dead, um, finish out the Clementine story. So. They didn't give too many details about um, exactly who they were going to bring back on the team, how many of the uh, people that were let go from Telltale, but it's definitely a a good step forward. I think that they, you know, since they are the, you know, creators of the comic, they probably have some interest in getting that to the end. And I had never heard of Skybound Games. I mean, I should have because I read the comics, but I never thought about who was producing them. So you're saying they're going to try to hire the original developers from Telltale? Their words are, we hope to work with them. You know what that means, right? We hope. <laughs> well, that's that's rough because, I mean, these, these, these poor developers were pretty much dropped, like, 30-minute notice. He even laid off the out of the building, you know, in the next half hour. Zero warning, zero severance. I mean, if that happened to me, I would be frantic to find a new job immediately. Um, in, into it, you know, obviously, because they're being hopeful because they want the original people to work on it, but it's like a lot of those developers have probably already moved on to more stable commitments rather than sticking around to do a short period of work on something and hold off on getting a job that's going to actually last, you know, more than, you know, six months. Exactly. And some of them, like you said, probably already have commitments, which could be the we hope to. And some could say, you know, well, we can work on this, but in my, you know, what else, where can we go from here? So I think they're just doing the PR we hope to because they don't have the details ironed out yet. But, you know, hopefully it's good news for a majority of the people who are still looking for some work to do. Yeah, that's rough because, I mean, you've got, <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's that's a really tough situation. Cause, I mean, you, you've obviously worked on a project for a very long time. You feel passionate about it. You you'd want to finish the job, you know, but you also got to look out for your livelihood, your family, and that sort of thing. And it's just, it's unfortunate that they couldn't have 
figured this out ahead of time. Like, hey, we're we're going under. We want to finish the game. We've contracted with Skybound to figure this out. You know, you guys will be employed for this amount of time to finish it up, and then you're going to be cut loose. Um, do you know if there's any information regarding if that wasn't a possibility, or did Telltale just kind of keep quiet to their employees this whole time and then just scramble to figure it out at the end? Yeah, that that would be, I you know, I really don't know. It, it's tough. Um, when you want to keep things secret or you're trying to find solutions, you can get to the end of the line, you're like, we just have to do this and we're sorry. Yeah, it's just, that's really unfortunate. I mean, it's, you see a lot of news popping around about this. And, and luckily, you know, when this sort of thing happens, you you seem to find that like a lot of the times there's a really good support within the industry to kind of help these people find a new home to, to go to and and kind of pick them up. Like, for example, when, uh, when CCP closed um, a lot of their, their satellite studios, um, Sumo Digital actually kind of stepped in and rehired like the entire studio um, to work for them because obviously Sumo Digital and CCP have a, a working partnership for Project Nova. But it was kind of cool to see kind of this outreach immediately of, hey, let's find work for these people that got lost their jobs and and actually another studio coming in and picking them up. It was it was cool to see. So I, I really do hope that the developers over at Telltale that unfortunately got laid off were able to find work quickly. Um, it's just a, it's a shitty situation since they may not be able to work on finishing their project because they obviously have to think about their, their careers moving forward. Hey, Livy, did, did you see anything about their other properties like uh, uh, the Minecraft story mode? That was probably their most significant one outside of, uh, you know, the, the Walking Dead stuff that they still had to finish. And that, that one was very highly reviewed and thought of. I was just kind of curious if you'd seen anything about that. Um, well, when they first came out and said that they were closing the studio, I think they said that Minecraft is one of the things that the few developers that were left behind were staying to complete with Netflix. So I think that one was going to be complete no matter what. Okay. All right. So that's that skeleton crew, like 20 or 25 that they that they that's kept correct. on. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they're going to make a third game. That's going to be like the most uncomfortable situation for the people left. Like <laughs> you see all your coworkers get axed. And it's like, well, well, you're you're like one of the chosen like you know two dozen that get to stick around and finish the stuff, and then you're gone too. Like, yeah, that's layoffs, layoffs aren't good, especially in you know quiet space. All you hear is the sound of packing tape. It's not fun. Yeah, yeah. we've had yeah. in my company a couple layoffs before, like just one or two people, you know. And even that is, it's a you feel it. Like the morale is just terrible. I can't even imagine something on this scale and, and having to sit there and have to listen to like. You're happy because you get to keep your job, but you just feel like shit because everyone else has to leave and it's just a terrible day and it's it's awful. In all fairness, though, I mean, um, you know, they're probably not keeping their job that long. And I think they they basically have a reprieve (laughs) because they they understand that they're that they're literally working themselves out of a job, uh, which is in a weird way. That's you would almost kind of want to just get on with it and move on to another company, I think. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, it's a tough situation. I mean, I, I, I feel for them, but, you know, like, like we said, we saw a lot of, at least on Twitter and Instagram, different game companies trying to rally around and say, Hey, let, let me know if you guys need some work, we're, we're hiring. So that, you know, they, they do tend to take care of themselves because that's not an unknown thing to happen in that industry. I think it was just a little bit surprising the way it went down with Telltale because they were still a pretty well thought of company. Um, and their products, while, while frankly their model was tired, what they did, they were still quite good at. 
So that that's that's the big thing on Telltale. And Livy uh, Parker greatly thanks you for that dope on uh, Minecraft story mode. He was greatly concerned that they were going to be able to finish that. So thank you. Glad I can make someone happy. Okay, so moving along here, uh, a bit bit of a thing in the rumor mill, but uh, we don't dive into this too often. But I thought it was kind of interesting and, and probably worth kind of mentioning. So. Ever since the inception of the PlayStation Network, it has always been kind of a limitation that there was no way to change your username. Whatever you signed up with, that's what you had, you know, forever. Um, recent sources are coming out from three separate um, developers. They are anonymous because they aren't authorized to speak with the press, but they were kind of leaking this, is that they um, are different game companies and they have specifically been working on bug fixes and checking um, upcoming games to make sure that they will be compatible with a new feature coming to PlayStation Network in order to change your username if you want to. There's also a fourth source um, which has shared an image um, of internal documentation coming out from Sony uh, showing a screenshot of like a, a UI for PSN with the option to edit your username on there. Um, so this isn't, of course, confirmed. It is an anonymous leak, which is, you know, pushing the realm of what we normally talk about. But I did think it was kind of interesting because that is something that we've been kind of stuck with for yeah i don't even know how long psn's been around for now but you know we that's the thing we came up with and, and just for us here who do um play on psn would you be interested in changing your your username if you could do it on playstation no way are you are you attached to the ikatash cheeseburger i am so attached because i did that in college and i'm probably the one everyone tries to put that in and it says player name taken <laughs> oh no it's mine um you, you know i actually thought about this like i i, I i'm actually pretty okay with mine uh you, but i will say this if you are at all interested in kind of tying what you do to content creation it's probably kind of a cool thing because otherwise you'd have to like you know a lot of people have to start over and uh you know generate a new account just to kind of tie it to some of your like your Twitter or your Instagram or your website, things like that. So I can totally see why you would want to, to perhaps change it or at least have, you know, you know, have the option of doing that, particularly if you've got a lot of things purchased on it or progress and certain things made on it. Exactly. I mean, I think of playing even Destiny, the guy named Fish Dicks. He probably really badly wants to change his name to something more mature. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's possible too. Now, and, and in all fairness, probably what I would have done Probably, you know, what I would have done is just something much more simpler, just like, you know, Jason, you know, something. Just purely for the simplicity of it, but I kind of get it. Now, now, interestingly enough, what I'm I'm somewhat curious about, I saw an, a random note about this, and Pokey, you're probably got to answer it. Are they, that the in the Dust514 piece, are they going to allow us to change the name of that account once they've linked it to us? Or, or is that kind of you got what you got? So um, when you are reserving your account, you you are indeed taking your original username and kind of creating a new password for it, and that's creating an account which reserves the name. They have, however, come out and said, not 100% confirmed, but said that they, they would really like to be able to offer a name change service. Um, Rotati actually came out and said, like, for example, if you call yourself Pokey and you want to fix this error, um, we want to allow you to do that. So um, 
I'm not changing my name, by the way, screw you. Um, but uh, you you will probably have the option to change your name. And it might be kind of like a, you for, <clears throat> excuse me, for like the first time it's free. And then after that, it's a uh, paid thing. But if you want to, you know, update from Dust, which is obviously five plus years ago, um, they want to give you that option. YouTubers, that'll be helpful so people actually know them in the game. So, okay, so that's not live yet. That's just something they're talking about, right? That is correct. It's not confirmed, but it's something they've, they've said pretty strongly they want to do. And cross, and cross the way. I saw one on, I think Brittati put it on Twitter as well as Discord. So, I mean, I wouldn't see them putting something out there like that if it was a sure nope. It's probably just we're trying to figure out how to do it. No, that, that's fair. I'm surprised it's taken Sony this long to allow PlayStation users to change their, their username. Because I know on Xbox, I think you get, you maybe get one or two free, if you will, name changes for your gamer tag, and then and then you're done, and then you're, you're up a creek. But I, I would have thought, I, I guess I just assumed that Sony had something similar already. Yeah, no, it's been a limitation that people have kind of complained about for quite a while. And it, it could very well be a situation of they weren't forward thinking and didn't build their architecture in a way that would allow it to be easy enough that they would allow people to do whatever they wanted. Um, but I think that there's probably enough steady demand for people asking for it that uh, they felt, you know what, we could probably invest in making this happen. Hmm. I mean, I'd be fine with like... Uh, almost like an alias thing like you keep like the same like login and that's all the same but you could change kind of what the the cover of that is and change what that appears as um because like i i don't mind my psn i, I probably wouldn't permanently change it but like jay was saying you know if you want to be a content creator and you're trying to you know link for example like gameplay with your your user tag you know in the game it really does help if you can match that to like your youtube or your twitch or something like that and that might be useful for a lot of people so it has a lot of um, use, I think. It's not something that I'm like, oh my god, I need to have this. Um, but I could see me maybe perhaps taking advantage of it, depending on, on how things go. Well, Steam does the alias thing, don't they? Uh, well, I know Steam has a login, and then you have your public name. I'm not sure if you can change a public name. I've never tried. So yeah, you can. That. Okay. Yeah, they, they do that for security reasons. So your login is never publicly visible, um, which is actually pretty smart. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. That way you can't look at a player and go, well, at least I have their username. I just got to figure out the password. It's more of a, I have to actually know their, their real credentials. It's a little more secure. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay, so moving along here. Uh, real quick, um, Monster Hunter World. Uh, I have not been playing Monster Hunter in probably a couple of months now. Um, it's a great game, but I just, I wanted to try some other stuff. But I did kind of want to get a quick Oh, no, 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 no. You glossed right, you glossed like right what? past that. Hold on. All right, what? say that all over again after the, after the yeah I've lost the luster of Monster Monster Hunter World. You know the game that I drugged Jay into. <laughs> I didn't say <laughs> I've lost the. <laughs> it's a great game. It's a great game um, that you don't play because it's not good enough, right? That, 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 no, it's, it's because line. Jay drugged it's me a, into it's Destiny it's Two. It's, movie, it's your fault. It's the movie you keep saying is good, but you know isn't. But you've convinced a lot of people to go with you. I know. I lived it. I lived this <laughs> with Star Wars Episode One. Okay, I was that guy that drugged people to that, knowing it was garbage. I can hear it in your voice. You you may continue now. Okay. Well, anyways, Monster Hunter is a great game. 
it's not for everyone. Obviously, Jay is part of this group of people. It is not for. <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted to talk about the Autumn Harvest Festival. Um, this is kind of their, their seasonal festival they do where they pull in um, kind of some new small quests you can do. They bring in some armor, usually this new weapon, and they activate all of the previous um, events in case you missed them so you can work on it. So um, not sure if I'll hop on and get this or not. Like I said, I've been kind of focusing a lot more on Destiny 2, which um, a certain someone on the podcast has drugged me back into. But if you are interested in doing the Harvest Festival for Monster Hunter World, it starts on October October 5th, so that's already passed, and it's going until October 18th. So you got the usual two weeks. Um, I didn't see if there was a new weapon or not, but there is a new uh, layer armor set. It's kind of this cool Halloween-y jack-o'-lantern-themed armor. It actually looks pretty badass. I can see some parts of it really fitting well with uh, some of the other pieces in the game. So that's out there. Um, looks pretty cool. I might have to catch it next year. We'll see if I get the motivation to, to put the disc in and actually grind the stuff out, but we'll have to see. Um, I also saw some mention that um, there's an arc-tempered... Uh, Livy, which one was it? Uh, Zoros? Zoromagdros? Arc-tempered. Boring. I'm not even sure how that's going to work, because it's not <laughs> even a boss fight. It's kind of just a... It's, a, it's like a giant cutscene you could run around in. It's, it's weird. It's an interactive story mode. It's like a Telltale game for like 15 minutes. It's really boring. <laughs> um, but there's apparently like a harder version of it coming out. Watch the, the harder version actually makes you fight his ass. Oh my gosh. No, I mean, I mean that. I don't think you can actually lose that fight. Like you can't. You have to try to lose to, to actually fail on that one. So I'll have to see what they do to, to make that, you know, top tier arc tempered levels. But uh, at the very least, they'll have some cool armor you can get. So that should be nice. Okay, so moving along again here to Fallout seventy six. This is the one that I have been very very cautious about. Um, and the beta is coming out this month, and the beta is going to determine if I purchase this game or not, because I really want to see how the multiplayer works, because if it's a certain way, I'm absolutely not going to play it, and if it's another way, I might. So I'm, I'm really on the fence on this one. But uh, in typical you know, industry fashion, if you want to get into the beta, you have to pre-order the game, um, which sucks, but luckily Amazon doesn't charge you until the game actually ships, so that's good to know. Uh, it isn't as cut and dry as you might think, though. So you have to pre-order the game, but make sure you go and look either on your Amazon order or you look at your like GameSpot, um, GameStop receipt. There is going to be a code on there. You have to take that code to Bethesda.net and enter the code, and that's how you register for the beta. So it's not just a you'll get access by email or whatever. You actually have to go and, and manually register for it. So make sure you do that if you want to try the beta out. Um, for PC and PS4, the beta is going to be coming out on October 30th. I will be playing on PC. Um, if you're an Xbox One player, you get it a week earlier on October uh, 23rd. So, um, I'm sorry, I said PC, PC and PS4 is the 30th, um, Xbox One is the 23rd. Um, I think it's running for two weeks for both, so I guess the Xbox One will end early, um, and the PC PS4 will go on for the full two weeks um, after the 30th. Uh, the game is releasing on November 14th, which is two weeks after the beta, which means it's not a beta, it's a stress test. Um, but, you know, if you are interested, I'm going to give it a shot. We'll see how it goes. Um, this is the Fallout game, and, and Fallout is normally a single-player game. This is a multiplayer Fallout game where it's just kind of an open world, like, think Division, Dark Zone sort of style, where you're out there, you can engage people, you can choose not to engage people, they might attack you. 
Um, depending on how they handle the griefing, because I'm, I'm personally not interested in the PvP aspect like at all. I just want to go play multiplayer Fallout. Um, depending on how they handle griefing is going to really determine if I want to play this game or not. So that's why the beta is really critical for me personally. Um, so I will, of course, give my thoughts in you know three weeks here, three, four weeks, what I think of the game. Um, but uh, like I said, really 50-50. I'm going to buy this one or not. We'll have to see. Did you see the trailer that came out the other day kind of setting up the story? I think that was the last uh, uh, week that dropped. Yeah, yeah, that one was pretty interesting. My, my brother's been all over it. He's like, he, okay, so we'll roll this back a second. So my brother in Fallout 76, this is like me dragging Jay into, uh, into Monster Hunter. My brother's desperately trying to want to like this game. Um, and is trying to ignore all of the warning signs of, of this game to convince the rest of us that we should play it. Um, so I'm being very cautious and recognizing the fact that he's pulling me into a death trap, which he has done before with um, Ghost Recon Wildlands, which we're not going to talk about that because I pulled Jay into that one too. Um, <laughs> the game was terrible. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's got a good setup. Like I said, I like Fallout games. I like how they structure their gameplay and how they do PvE, that sort of thing. I would have loved if it was just a normal Fallout game with like four-person co-op and you could drop in and that's what it was. But they're really pushing this like open worlds could be competitive PvP sort of deal. Um, honestly, it's like they're trying to like make EVE Online, but without the griefing. And it's just, I don't know, it, it sounds sketchy to me. So we'll have to see. Um, but I'll let you guys know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I get. I'm still. I, I wonder how I would receive this game if the name Fallout wasn't attached to it. Uh, I, I thought about this the other day, and I, and I think, in all fairness, there would be almost zero hype about this game if the name Fallout wasn't attached to it, because it sounds like any number of ten other kind of survival, you know, RPG type games that you can find on Steam right now. Um, Minus the name Fallout, so I, I that's kind of what I'm I'm curious about is how how well all of this is really implemented. So they make like a one of these kind of survival simulators, uh, but in a Fallout world, uh, maybe I could get behind it. I, but I'm I'm very skeptical. I, I got to see more. I did see the trailer, uh, which was interesting. In, in all fairness, I mean that I mean, and, and we said this on the show, and and I I do. I do have to kind of you know revisit this one time. I give them all the credit in the world for trying something absolutely different and out of the out of their normal bag. I, I absolutely give them credit for that. But I do know that if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And a lot of people buy Fallout games. So when they diverge like this on on a pretty serious title, like instead of making you know the next sort of expected Fallout, they do this. You, you know, it's a gamble. So, and I think they know that. And, and, and I think they've indicated that they're very well aware of that, but they also really wanted to try something new. So in all, in all honesty, I hope it works out pretty well. I, I hope it, I hope it kind of surprises people. Uh, but, but they've got a lot of um, like ground to make up with their fallout audience is, is kind of where I feel they're at. Okay. No, I'd completely agree. And, and you're absolutely right that it does, feel in many ways a lot like the survival genre which was kind of booming you know like a year ago you know there was a, there's a million of them coming out and and we've actually um kind of the group of players that i play with this sort of thing um 
have done several of those and, and one that we actually, you know, we, I'll say we tried to like, um, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but seven days to die was kind of a base building zombie survival game where you have to go out and find resources, keep yourself healthy, you know, do stuff. Um, that game lacked, um, it lacked structure, which is kind of where it fell apart for me. But, you know, I could see there was some some good stuff that could happen in there. Um, and that was nice because you could really do just like four person, you know, co-op, no competitive, just, you know, PVE. Um, but the game was a glitchy mess. It lacked structure and it's kind of its its direction. Um, but like I said, there was some good stuff in there. When I see Fallout 76, I go, oh, okay, you know, I like Fallout. Bethesda can make some pretty good games. They have a good PVE structure. I mean, it's it's it works, you know, the production quality is there. And so the part of me that, that is looking to try this game is kind of saying, okay, I want one of the survival games, but have it be like, you know, more of a triple A title and not so much a, uh, a little scratchy, you know, um, indie thing. Uh, so that's where I'm looking at it. But I'm also looking at some of the stuff they're trying to do. And like, like you said, credit to them for, for going off the wall and doing something really weird that really hasn't been done um, successfully before, at least done in, in this way, and giving it a shot. Um, it, it may or may not work. Um, I am a little salty about it just because I remember looking at like the Division, the Dark Zone, and how it was kind of, well, it's PvE, but it might be PvP, and how that just absolutely did not work. I did not enjoy that at all. I, I hated the Dark Zone. Um, I see them trying to kind of do something like that and just thinking, you know, if you can make it work, it'd be great, but I'm not sure what you would change on a fundamental level to make it work the way that you want it to. So, you know, like I said, I, I really hope it, it's a good game. I, I would like to play it, um, but I'll have to see it actually actually work before I'm really going to be willing to invest in it. And that's why this beta is so critical, I think, for a lot of players, because like you said, if it was anything else, it wouldn't have that much hype. Um, but Fallout players are going, okay, if this is the Fallout game we're getting, we really want to see how it's going to actually be like. And this, I think, beta is going to be very critical to see, you know, if people are going to actually play this thing or not. Okay, so moving along, I wanted to mention one little thing. Um, we'll get too deep into it. So uh, Kingdom Hearts is a very convoluted series of games, which I will never attempt to try to explain to anyone because... I would most likely realize how absurd and stupid the story is if I actually had to say it out loud. However, I like the series and I'm looking forward to Kingdom Hearts 3 coming out early next year. Um, Square Enix has, uh, in you know their infinite attempt to make me buy the games like for a fourth time, uh, have released a definitive package called Kingdom Hearts The Story So Far for PlayStation 4. And it basically has like all of the major content that has ever been released for the game in one disc. Um, so it's nine separate, nine separate pieces of content. Basically there's three, I'll, I'll call them movies. They're not really movies. They're more like a, a series of cutscenes that have been kind of stitched together and, and dressed up to feel like a movie. Um, and then six games. So it comes with Kingdom Hearts one final mix, Kingdom Hearts, uh, re chain of memories, Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, the HD remastered cinematics, Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep Final Mix, Recoded, again, the HD Remastered Cinematics, uh, Dream Drop Distance HD, 0.2 Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage, and Kingdom Hearts Key Back Cover, which is kind of the movie that was based off of their cell phone game. And all of this is packaged up on a PS4 disc for $40. Um, 
as lovely as it would be to have everything on one disc, I'll probably never actually play it because I've played all of those pieces multiple times on separate packages they've released in the past. So this probably isn't something I'm going to buy, but if you wanted to get like the whole thing up to Kingdom Hearts 3 on a PS4 disc in prep for the game coming out in January, that is available now for $40. So like I said, I won't try to explain what the game is about because it's out of absolute nonsense, um, but I think it's fun. So there you go. You said that game finally comes out in January? Yeah, it's only been like a while. To put it in perspective, there hasn't been a Kingdom Hearts game on the PS3 at all, um, originally. The first one came out on PS2, second one came out on PS2. There was a whole slew of them on different mobile platforms, nothing on PS3, and they're finally releasing the third main title on PS4. That's how long it's been. They were on their way to the Final Fantasy XV plan. Oh, God, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> no, so yeah, it's that's... That's a fun one. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the third title because it's supposed to it's supposed to kind of wrap up the current arc of of everything. And to put it in perspective, if you look at all of the games, there's Kingdom Hearts 3 is actually the 13th game they've released. Um, they've just kind of combined and remastered some of them together, um, which is what's in this package. But yeah, 13 games, and it's been like 15-something years. It's crazy. Can't wait for Kingdom Hearts three part one and part two. Oh Jesus <laughs> And that's the thing, Bate, is that like if you look at all these games, basically is like part one and part two. They just aren't called that. Because there's so many little side stories and crazy shit. You can tell that they made the first game with zero intention of ever making more. And they've been trying to trip over their plot lines ever since trying to get all of this crazy shit like you know the guy with like the the push pins and the string on the on the, on the board like that's what they're trying to do and they finally just kind of given up and rolled up to a ball and said here you go <laughs> whatever it doesn't make any sense just just buy our game yeah, there's know. a roller coaster enjoy <laughs> so they hadn't intended to make more than one game is is kind of what you're getting at i if you look at the story of the first game like, okay, it kind of sets up for a sequel, fine. But, like, everything they've done with it, with all the different stuff, I'm like, there's no way they could have planned this from the get-go. And they've been trying to fill these plot holes and try to make it all fit together. And it's a little clunky. And I don't believe that they ever intended for it to get this big. It just took off, and they're like, well, shit, let's make some money. And they've just been trying to make up for it ever since. Hey, did you, did you so, say the word a little clunky? Um, that might have been a bit of an understatement. That's like saying the Yugo is a mid-sized car. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're standing far away. Touche. <laughs> so yeah, Kingdom Hearts, uh, the story so far, like I said, 40 bucks. I don't think it's out yet, but it should be coming soon. Obviously, they intend to release it before um, the third game comes out, because that would kind of defeat the purpose. So... If you have not gotten into the series or you haven't tried to play the majority of it, you can start here. Um, good luck for trying to figure out what it all means. If, if you play it like in the right order, it kind of makes sense. But coming into it sideways and having someone try to tell you what it's all about, you're just going to not get it. So if you want to play it, just play it. Don't try to look for an explanation online. Okay, so moving along here to a little bit of Destiny 2 stuff. Um, Jay, have you been tracking any of the data mining and the leaks that have been popping out uh, for Disney 2 this week? 
Uh, yes, I've been tracking some of them, but I've, I, in all honesty, I've, I've kind of stayed away from uh, most of them purely because I'm trying to go into some of it blind. But they're, they're, basically, the API for Black Armory is starting to come out, uh, as well as some other things. So that's that's what's that, that, that's sort of what's going on, at least from the story per, uh, piece. Uh, is that kind of what you're referring to? Yeah, and I mean, if you prefer to go into a blind, we can kind of not go too deep into it. I was just kind of curious if you've been seeing some of the stuff coming out as well. Let me preface this. I tried to, but the amount of, like, my, my inability to basically access anything on the interweb or walk around with an unnamed nine-year-old that sits right next to me that goes, wow, Dad, did you know that Marsa was not always an Awoken? And here's a storyline that explains exactly how that she became Awoken. And did you know what her master plan with the Wish Dragons are? Yeah, so I, I, I'm, I, I'm probably already into the spoiler territory. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't going to dig too deep into the lore stuff because um, I, I actually try to avoid a lot of that as well. I only really watch stuff of things that have past um rather than kind of digging into future stuff but um i was mostly talking about like uh well for example um one thing that has been uh, announced officially is that the festival of the lost is starting uh, october 16th and this yep. is kind of their halloween event um that's out there that's not even like a spoiler thing um they've done it before um i haven't done one did i do the one last year i don't think so what was the one last year like or did they skip they skipped they didn't have one that's right okay um, but yeah, so that's coming back this year. It's, it's confirmed for, uh, you know, well, I guess about 10 days here. And uh, it's, it looks interesting. Like, yeah, it's Festival of the Lost, but they kind of wanted to add a twist to it. Um, a lot of the same stuff with, like, you know, some minor quest lines, challenges, that sort of thing. Um, costumes, I can only imagine they're going to bring back some of the masks they've done before. But they also did say that at the end, there is kind of a quest line to solve a murder mystery, which is kind of fun. Um, they never take these things too seriously, but uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's kind of neat to log in and get a few uh, uh, cosmetics for your character. That's always neat. Now, the, the leak stuff is that uh, there has been a Redditor, there's a Redditor who has been very consistently accurate in terms of leaking information um, for quite a while now. So he's considered fairly reputable. Um, but he is saying that the Thunderlord, which is a heavy machine gun from D1 and Exotic, is going to actually be in the Festival of the Lost. And they've actually, developers have posted like a little um, animation of um, a preview for the season pass, and it actually shows the Thunderlord in there. So they've already kind of confirmed that it's going to be in the game at some point. Um, the, the point of contention here is that we know that heavy machine guns are being introduced in the Black Armory update, and the Festival of the Lost is coming before that. So effectively, you'd have a heavy machine gun exotic released before the rest of them are. Um, it would be the first time they've kind of introduced a weapon ahead of like an archetype, like, uh, for example, in Destiny 1, before Taken King, um, in the House of Wolves expansion, they had the Vestian Dynasty, which was a uh, sidearm. It was the only sidearm in the game until Taken King came out, and then you got a whole bunch more. Um, do you think they'll they'll go the same direction with this? Will they kind of put the the Thunderlord in early and then bring the rest of the heavy machine guns back in for uh, uh, Black Armory? Uh, you know, I, I think they could. Uh, I mean, I, I I think they they certainly could kind of go down that route. I mean, it, it's not 
that uncommon that, uh, well, I'm not going to say it's not that uncommon. I, I think they've got precedent for doing it, like you said. Uh, and, and they also kind of indicated that there's going to be, like the Festival of the Lost was going to be not just the kind of the tongue-in-cheek uh, Halloween-esque type thing, but there's going to be a little bit of a celebration of past heroes. So I, I it probably get some, some Cade 6 in there. You never know, maybe some Saint 14 or some other like notable guardians. But I think there's a couple. Of, I think there's a couple other things involved. I, I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see some um, uh, setups for really the rest of the DLCs. It's probably a good guess that we'll start to figure out who the next Hunter Vanguard are, Vanguard is. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to really be trying to set the stage for Black Armory. I do think that. I, I'll be honest. With you, I don't think they're going to release Thunderlord. I know, Dad. And just, I got I to gotta break in. So, Fallout's got to go to bed, and he wanted to let everybody know, including Pokey, that he may be joining you in Fallout 76 to try it out in the beta. So, all right. Good night, buddy. All right. Night. And we are a family-friendly show here on the Biomass Media Empire. Uh, but, anyway, I, do, I don't really think they're going to release that for uh, Festival of the Lost. I really think they're going to save heavy machine guns for Black Armory. But, but you never know. I, I, I'm just... I'm not really sure. They've got a very steady cadence of content release going on in Destiny 2. Um, I could see it kind of maybe, maybe want to drop a couple special things in there. Since that, I think that will hit right before most of the the big releases like Red Dead and some other things like that, which will kind of take the air out of the room for about you know a month. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, that, that, I mean, for me, it's like... You know, whenever that one comes, I mean, I, I remember the Thunderlord from the first game. It wasn't one that I used a lot, but uh, it, it's it was kind of cool to see these come back. I, I will say I am hyped for the the HMGs to come back though for uh, the game in general. Like I love them in Crucible; they were absolutely monsters, um, and I hope they're they're just as good as they were before because I had a lot of fun with that. Um, the other weapon that people have kind of been talking about that is actually my personal favorite weapon in the game which is the last word, the exotic hand cannon. Data miners have found a legendary trait called High Noon, which was recently added to the database. And the perk is increased precision damage for a short period after drawing the weapon. Um, so if you're at all an Overwatch player, you know that McCree, you know, the cowboy character, his ultimate is called High Noon. He pulls out a revolver and fans the hammer and you know smokes every guy in front of him. Um, a lot of lot of attention to this one and people believing that this is probably confirmation that uh, the last word is going to be in the game at some point. Um, Black Armory is probably the, the more likely time for this to come out, um, but totally hyped for that one. Like I said, that's like that was that was the gun I used in Crucible um, in D1. I was really bummed that it wasn't in the game uh, in in uh, D2, but seeing it come back makes a lot of sense. Um, also, just kind of looking forward, if you've got, you know, um, Black Armory and you later have the Joker's Wild uh, expansion coming, and if you've at all been tracking what's going on with the Gambit game mode and the Drifter and kind of the lore surrounding that, there's a lot of buzz around Dredgen Yor, the character, um, who had the Thorn, which is also kind of a, an exotic hand cannon from, from Destiny 1. And Dredgen Yor and Shin Malfur, who had the last word, these two characters were kind of these, these rivals. Um, and so if you have one of the guns, you're going to have the other, um, in most, most likely. So it would make sense that if we're going to have an expansion that is 
likely surrounded around Dredgen Yor, the Shadows of Yor, um, and probably the Thorn, you'd want to bring in the last word at some point, either during or before that expansion. So I'm really, really hopeful for this one. Um, seeing that legendary trait, you know, I, I don't want to have confirmation bias, but it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, like I said, increased precision damage after you draw the weapon. You It's kind of this quick draw cowboy thing. Um, that's really cool. So I'm, I'm hopeful for that one. I don't think we'll see that anytime before uh, Black Armory, but, you know, I can wait, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, so I, I, I too have, I've been taking, paying a lot of attention to that. So just a couple of things. Um, let me, let me sort of circle this in. So the Malfeasance quest is now active for a lot of people, which is the, the Drifter's exotic hand cannon that you can earn through a very uh, lengthy grind. When I say lengthy, I mean lengthy grind. Um, and there's some RNG getting the quest to drop as part of game, but you got to wait for the ascendant uh, taken servitor, basically the big meatball of teeth that you fought at the end of the campaign to, to drop as, as the prime evil. And it's it's and it's kind of interesting. They ramp up your odds of getting it depending on what weekly cycle you're in. So if you're in the full full curse cycle, the full taken cycle, it's a, it's a higher chance to get it. Uh, but when you start really looking into the lore, or at least all the lore tabs associated as you go through those steps, um, and, and a lot of the, the, the drifter gambit lore, of which there's a lot, uh, you, you pick up a couple things. One, he's been around for a very, very long time. Um, and then two, a lot of the lore tabs are written from the perspective of somebody called uh, the Renegade, who is, it never says his name, but that's Shen Malfur. Uh, and he's clearly communicating with Shax and, and Cade in, in a couple of, the, le- in couple of the, 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 the letters, basically. So I think what you're going to see is in Joker's Wild, the, the Spring DLC, which is really a big Gambit update, that's when you're going to see a couple things. I think you're actually going to see Shin Malfur in game, and I think you're actually going to see Last Word in that that expansion. Uh, I'm I'm I'd be very confident that that's going to happen. And oh, by the way, if you've noticed when you did when you played through the um, the campaign, they very specifically used the the word or the term or the, the phrase Last Word multiple times, like th- I think three times throughout all the cutscenes and all the other stuff, and it it. it you, you, your ears prick every time you hear it. Uh, and I think because Shin Malfur is so intertwined with the Drifter and their kind of storyline, that, that to me is the, that, that is the place where you see Last Word coming back into the game. Yeah, I would agree that probably makes the most sense um, to kind of tie that all together and make it kind of this dual, like the duality between you know, Shin Malfur and Trejan Yor to kind of bring it in and have that be part of the whole thing. So, like I said, I'm, I'm hyped for it. Um, it's good to see that there's, in my opinion, a lot more evidence in the game to kind of point that direction. But, uh, you know, it, it should be good. I, I, I'm The Black Armory sounds interesting, but really the Joker's Wild um, expansion is the one that's really piqued my interest just because of all of the lore surrounding the Drifter and everything with that and what you were just describing is really good, interesting stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that one. So uh, that's coming... 
is that the December update or is that next year? I, I thought that I thought it was spring. So I, I thought that uh, Black Army Armory was but isn't that the one in December? Uh you could be right. Yeah, because it's tied. Well, let me see. Because I, I thought it was gonna be Black Army You're right. December yes. and then Joker's Wild in like late spring. Yep, it's spring twenty nineteen for Joker's Wild. So we gotta wait a while on that one, but uh no, it's it's gonna be good. I'm excited. So a couple a couple quick notes that came out on the TWAB and some of the other stuff that like uh, Josh Hammer and some of the other producers have been talking about, which I think is kind of interesting. There was a, there was an announcement that uh, there's not gonna be a prestige version of the Last Wish raid, which is legitimately probably one of the best raid experiences I, I think I've seen in a game ever. Um, and that's usually a big thing where they you know they release basically a hard mode. Well, the reality is that that thing is scaled to, to pretty much near in-game power level now. So they're not going to, they, they released what they believed is the curated, like, you know, level. And then what you're seeing is a lot of these smaller things that drop that are actually post-raid level. Like a lot of these, almost like, not heroic missions, but sort of strikes or dungeons or, or like, not, almost raid layers they're dropping and they're these like really really well crafted like three person like you know somewhere above a nightfall and below a raid layer uh, they're dropping more and more of these uh, and there's some other chase elements to to it uh, so what they've basically done is instead of putting more time on modifying the raid they're putting more time in these other sort of steady release activities in the form of these dungeons or or very specific uh, specifically adapted or modified heroic level story missions, and it's pretty cool. In fact, in the in the Malfeasance quest, there is a a very specific variant of the Corrupted Strike, which I is a 580 light level. Certainly, you know, Pokey and I tried that one the other day. We couldn't get past the first encounter. So that's kind of how they're feeding the end game, as opposed to just rinse and repeat the raid. A bunch of times for gear which you can do you know as part of the loot chase um and i think that's their plan and that's how they get you into the next dlc they coast you into the next dlc sort of on this glide path of sort of steady release you know kind of content like that which which by pretty much every indication i've got from the destiny community uh that i kind of keep a pretty good handle on very well received they like it a lot so I could absolutely see that that cadence continuing to follow with Black Armory and leading us up into things like Joker's Wild. Uh, and I think it's going to just continue to build the story. And they're opening up a ton of different avenues that they could, they could kind of go down. So right now, uh, now that we've had, you know, Forsaken Out in the Wild for more than a month now, I, I can absolutely say it's it, it well earned a 9.5 out of 10 that it's generally getting for most of the major game publications. Uh, and they, they are continuing to double down on it. And I think they've definitely found a very successful formula right now that they're probably going to keep rolling on. Now, the interesting thing, why I bring this in is it's kind of what we just talked about with the timeline. So Joker's Wild comes out in late spring. And I think based on where they're at right now, Bungie is is very very keyed into listening to the community and listening very well to what's working and what's not working. They're being very responsive and they're it's 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 on the verge of being overly responsive, but they haven't crossed that line yet. 
So I suspect what you're seeing right now in Forsaken is going to be carried through with the content releases that you see for Black Armory, new location. I'm, I think you're going to get new location, new vendor, new weapons and armor, uh, new triumphs, new chase items, and a lot of new lore type stuff like triumphs that like tie into different things you can go find around in a world. Um, and I think that's going to continue to double down on these sort of like five or six month release marks that they're hitting, uh, which again sounds like a pretty good formula that they got, but I'm really eager to see how they take the baton from Forsaken and continue to move that forward with uh, Black Armory. No, I would agree that they're doing a good job of kind of keeping the, the trickle of content coming out. It, it really does feel substantial in the sense that it's a not overwhelming amount of content, but they get just, just enough to kind of feel like, okay, this has been kind of cool and new this week. I uh, can kind of fill the rest of the week out doing my usual stuff. And next week, you get something a little bit different. Um, it, it's, it's really well paced. And uh, I think that they're on a good track to kind of keep it, keep it metered well enough to get to kind of these big you know, annual pass um, expansions to keep people, you know, going. Because you, you used to get really long um, content routes where it was just kind of painful. You're like, okay, I've been grinding the same stuff for four weeks now. Um, they, they keep it just fresh enough to kind of keep you keep you going. And Monster Hunter World did a good job with this. And it's good to see that companies are kind of figuring out this, you know, gaming as a service model and how to keep people engaged over long periods of time. So it's good to see. Um, it's, it's enjoyable. I'm having a lot of fun. So, you know, good on Bungie for, for kind of figuring it out. And uh, I'm looking forward to more. All right. Uh, one last thing that I wanted to uh, bring up real quick was uh, E-Vegas is October 19th to the 21st. Just wanted to remind people. Uh, there's a lot of signs pointing to the fact that Project Nova will most likely be getting an official announcement at the event. So that being said, Livy and I are going to be going to Vegas um, during the event. Uh, we've got press passes. We'll kind of have some, some better access to de you know, developers for interviews, that sort of thing. And uh, we will be reporting specifically on Project Nova. So fingers crossed. Hopefully it should be good. Um, be sure to stay tuned to, you know, our obviously the website, biomass.com, um, both Livy and I's Twitter account and, uh, the YouTube channel will be kind of keeping that updated and, uh, and pushing content out as the event is ongoing. So should be a lot of fun and, uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks doing that. Uh, oh, one last thing I want to bring up. Uh, so if you are a PlayStation plus user and are interested in Red Dead Redemption 2, there are a few exclusives you will be getting for having an active PlayStation plus account when the game comes out. Um, you will get 30-day early access to the Arabian horse mount. This comes with a custom alligator skin saddle, and you will also get act uh, access to the high roller dual action revolver. Uh, additionally, for the offline single player mode, you will get uh, the Grizzlies outlaw outfit for um, main characters. So that's kind of cool. Um, just kind of a perk of having PlayStation Plus. Bait, have you heard anything like this for uh, Xbox? Because uh, Microsoft is getting shafted, and we're going to be waiting. We're going to be 30 days behind um, all of the updates for Red Dead Online. Uh, 30 days behind uh, PlayStation users. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's nice. totally a, a Sony thing. So, I mean, I'm a little I'm a little upset about it, I guess. But I mean, it is what it is. Can't really do anything about it. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's back and forth. Like, for example, Xbox gets early access to Fallout 76 uh, beta. So it's, you know, they, they, I think they, they play their hand and try to see which exclusives they want to put their money down for. And, you know, some win over the others. But, yeah, that's that's crappy. Is, uh, I assume PC is also on the same schedule as Xbox then? I assume so. I haven't seen anything about it. Um, gotcha. So we'll see. But interestingly enough, there has been some some more stuff to kind of you know as we're building up to to the release of Red Dead, a lot more stuff is coming out. Um, so I think the other week we talked about how the game is going to be like a hundred gigs for console, which is absolutely insane that it's going to be that large. Um, but you know, with everything with the game being that big, that that really opens up the potential for a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, to be in the game, um, so just some of the stuff I've been I, I've been seeing. Um, so uh, this is uh, from I just found this article uh, from Express. So this uh, this is saying that latest news is is saying that they're going to be that there were over a thousand actors used to voice the NPCs in the game, which could indicate that nearly every single NPC that you come across is going to have their own personality, yeah. which would be do you really think that? Any, do you really that's game. possible? I mean, I mean, it, it's all, it seems incredibly impractical if, for no other reason. I I have no idea, honestly. I mean, par, part of me wants to believe oh, that no, that's really possible. That's but I mean, well, but then you you get into this you you get into this kind of thing where it's like, well. Okay, how often are your players going to interact with you know whatever NPC, and and so is it really I guess worth it almost to if one percent of your of the of your player base is going to come in contact with this one guy, is it really worth it that to pay you know somebody to just record dialogue just for for that one dude uh, if you understand what I'm getting? Um, it's really cool. And it's really cool to be able to say that your game does that, um, but I, I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll definitely be talking to everybody I can in that game, uh, so I should find out relatively quickly. I mean, I, how many voice actors did you say? It's like over a thousand. This article is saying. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just some more map size stuff. So that there's an area of exploration that's going to encompass the original Red Dead map. Um, and that's that's just one area. Obviously, I think uh, we were talking about that leaked map that came out um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I think. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, it had a little spot for um, uh, for the the original Red Dead area, Austin, I think it was called. So that's in there. Um, ba, 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 ba. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's just you know that stuff that we talked about uh, just a second ago for PlayStation users. Um. So yeah, yeah, a lot of lot, a lot of good stuff coming out about this game. Um, investors are, uh, interestingly enough, predicting that Red Dead Two is is on its way to doing just as well as Grand Theft Auto Five did when it launched, if not better. So I think that I think what was it? Grand Theft Auto Five did over a billion in like a week or something insane like that. So if Red Dead 2 does this, then Rockstar and Take 2 will be in a very, very good place. And when is uh, uh, Red Dead 2 coming out? Uh, October 26th. Whew, that's close. Yes. A, lot, a lot of games coming out. 
like a Soul Calibur six. I was like, holy shit, that's in two weeks. I'm not going to get it on launch. Um, it'll probably be a while. I'll pick it up and it's cheaper. But it was just like, wow, this, these games are just creeping up on me. And then uh, early next year is going to be abs- absolutely crazy. There's so many titles coming out. Yep. Should be good, though. Anything else, guys, you want to cover before we go into uh, shoutouts here? Did you guys see that uh, Harry Potter RPG footage that surfaced uh, about four days ago, maybe? I haven't watched it, but I saw that it had been leaked. Um, what's going on with that? So I, I just I want to make a statement here. I don't know a damn thing about Harry Potter. I really don't. I couldn't get into it. Um, but somebody did send out uh, a link to the video um, for the for the. I, I guess it's a it's a new game. I don't know if it's a MMO or an an RPG or something. Um, so I. I don't know. There, there's a Harry Potter game that's that's in development, uh, as best I can tell. I don't think there's a lot of like rumors that are coming around or, or, or um, information that's coming out with it, um, other than what you can see. So I guess that the um, Hogwarts is like a central location for uh, for the game, and then you know, there's fucking robes and shit. So I mean, it's Harry Potter in, in a in a video game, which is. Uh, I don't know. Has there been like a like a Harry Potter video game? There's been a, a several types not, of different genres, but nothing like, like this. Game, yeah, I mean, there's been a yeah, like yeah, they got Harry, Harry Potter Lego, and there's a lot of Harry Potter game properties, but there's not been like a real definitive type game. I, I think, in all honesty, I think part of it's because you're trying to figure out what age bracket do you want that that to land on, uh, which you know, could it be anywhere from like kids, my son's age up to, you know, frankly, you know, you know, people older, older than you, babe. Uh, Cause like, if you, if you kind of follow the Harry Potter sort of arc, uh, if you were like reading those when, when it first came out, you're like in your late twenties now, I think, or thirties, if I'm not mistaken. Probably thirties. Cause I, I started reading when I was a young teenager um, when it first came out. Um, the, uh, the this Verge article here. Um, so I the developers look like Avalanche Software, not to be confused with Avalanche. I think Studios, um, who does uh, shit, uh, just cause. So different company, Avalanche Software. They're the ones who do all the like, uh, Disney movie video game games. So like. Cars 3, the game, or whatever. So that's what they do. Um, so it seems like this is going to be a hell of a departure from, from what they typically are, are used to doing um, with, with this game. So, yeah, so there's a Harry Potter game in development. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty interesting. I mean, I, I'm probably not looking to take out another, RP, another you know, MMORPG, but uh, I could see them being a lot of fun. <laughs> If they if they that right, I mean the 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 bigger Harry Potter world that J.K. Rowling has made, which you see a little bit of in Fantastic Beasts, like it would make a hell of an RPG game setting. Like I'll, I'll totally buy that, particularly if they kind of targeted at more of uh, you know like a little bit more mature. I mean something that's kind of a little bit more accessible to you know like a broader range of people, like not just aim it at little kids or at like, you know, young teenagers, like if they expanded it a little bit, you know, particularly some of the later Harry Potter books were pretty, pretty adult themed in terms of some of the stuff they dealt with. So uh, just the the world building that she's done, there's a heck of a lot of material there 
for them to make a pretty a pretty baller RPG on. I could totally see that. Well, and there's still more uh, more content, I guess, if you will, more 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 books and more movies coming out for the series, aren't there? Well, yeah, well, they've kind of definitely transitioned to more of the Fantastic Beast stuff, which is kind of the prequel, but the prequel to the Harry Potter piece because it's it's sort of you know post World War One, pre World War Two, that kind of interwar period is sort of the time frame. But the but the big thing is it expands way beyond just you know sort of part you know London for a little bit and then the area surrounding Hogwarts. So it really opens up like the bigger part of the like the world, the magical world outside of that, those two very specific locations. And you get a lot of different personalities. You see a lot, how a lot of different things work. So I think there's the movie that's coming out, I think here pretty soon, uh, like I think for, you know, before Christmas. And I suspect there's one, there's gotta be at least one more after that. So I think there's the one coming out here in a month or two, then there's the next one. And I, I, I don't know what else they're making after that. I believe there are some, clearly some books planned or other stuff. I mean, J.K. Rowling continues to put out a variety of content in that world, in that space. You know, a lot of it's kind of short stories and other things like that, though. Yes, yeah, so the next the next movie comes out uh, November 16th. All right, sounds pretty good. All right, guys, you good for shout-outs then? Yeah. Okay, so uh, my shout-out's a little bit different than usual. Um, I don't typically do uh, talk about anime on this show, but I thought this one was worth it. So, yeah. <laughs> not usually, not usually. Um, so there is a show, uh, anime called Megalobox, and it's a little interesting because it's, it's a show that came out this year, um, but it's kind of meant to be this homage to 90s anime. So they did kind of an interesting technique with this where they, they drew it in like full resolution, like 1080p, downscaled it to like what you would expect like in a 90s anime and then upscaled it back up to 80 piece what you get is kind of like you know this rough artifacting like what would you expect if you were watching like cowboy bebop and watching it like on your modern television and so it's kind of got this gritty you know 90s anime feel to it um and it's uh, a boxing anime and it's kind of like under pretty classic underdog story um, I won't get into the details of what it's exactly about, but it's it's really, really good, um, surprisingly good. If you were at all a fan of kind of those, you know, gritty 90s animes, you know, um, underdog stories, really solid. It is uh, currently on Crunchyroll, if you have an account for that, but I've heard that Toonami is actually going to be picking that up. So if uh, you watch Toonami on Cartoon Network, that's kind of the, um, the anime thing they do during primetime. Uh, I imagine it's going to be dubbed. So, uh, you know, like I said, it, it's worth watching. I liked it. Um, 13 episodes long, kind of a self-contained story. So it, it it's not like this one you're going to have to sit like through 300 episodes of to get to get the story. It's it's pretty well short, um, but it's really good. So keep an eye out for it if you are interested. All right, Bait, you're up. Uh, right. So in the little bit of free time that I have um, found as I'm working my way through college, I have been, uh, which normally comes at lunchtime, um, I have uh, been perusing the Hulu library and I have stumbled across a show called Atlanta um, starring uh, Donald Glover, so Childish Gambino, if, uh, if you're familiar with him, and then uh, most recently, um, Linda Keller is in, in the uh, solo movie. Um, so he writes this, this show and he's in it, he plays the lead, 
um, about about this young this young uh, black guy in Atlanta, um, and he's a, he's a manager for for a rapper, and so it's, it's really good, really good story, and it's it's funny. Don Glover is a very funny man, um, and, and that really shows. So uh, shout out to Atlanta. All right, uh, Libby, you're up. All right, so um, my thanks goes out to. Um, I don't have a full name of people, but I am reaching out to certain people to try and form some sort of uh, series of lore videos for Project Nova, kind of heading from dust. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to um, big thanks to Ayana Mahdi, who's really helped me uh, reach some people who have been giving me good information. Um, there's a whole bunch more, but uh, he definitely was the one that kind of started me off on the path. So I just want to say thank you to him. All right, Angie. Uh so random shout outs to, I'm not going to go into a big list, uh, but I would say that with, you know, we joke, we joke a lot about this, uh, you know, over the, over the years in the show, but uh, the other week when the last show, you know, Pokey was talking about the Project Nova stuff and we were kind of, you know, riffing on that a little bit. It was, you know, having some fun with it about not wanting to play, needing to play and like, I hate this game and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, there is a Discord called the Dust Veterans Discord, which is really a, a kind of a testament. And you see these periodically with games that kind of stick around. Like there's a lot of, there's like core of the community that always remembers they were part of that game. They're often short-lived. They're, they're very quirky, but they have these just fierce, fiercely loyal sort of core members because there was something about the game that brought them together. Can't really explain why. Dust is a great example of that. It's, it's, it, was a, it was a huge idea for a game that was, you know, frankly, poorly executed. Uh, but there were, there were a lot of saving graces, and a lot of that really revolved around the people. And uh, I dug back into the Dust Discord, which I, I frankly had not entered into the Dust Discord in maybe a year, or more than a year, and that's only, like, by, by accident even a year ago. And seeing a lot of the names of the people that I'd played with, interacted with, uh, both in-game, out-of-game, uh, kind of brought a lot of memories back. And it was pretty cool. You know, a lot of people were like, wow, where have you been? You know, was like, well, I've always been here. Uh, and, and it's just a kind of a good testament to in, the interesting ways that the online gaming world can bring you together in ways that you probably don't, I, I would not have thought possible. Uh, Dust 514 PS3 game from way back in the day uh, was actually the first online game community that I got involved in in, in in any way really and frankly the first first time I played a game where I spoke to people on the game you know like on the mic and was trying to you know, do stuff in game at least for, from a console standpoint uh, I played some other things like on PC but it was not you know it, it was not the same I was not like uh, emotionally connected to it so that's my shout out is to just the uh, the folks that that played dust and then still stuck around uh, whether you whether you intend to play Nova or not is irrelevant. It's just it was kind of good seeing a lot of those names again uh, and the, the fun memories of that from several years ago. So that's my shout out. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah, there's there's been a ton of new names, not new names, but, you know, people that that uh, been coming out of the woodwork um, because of the recent Project Nova news. So it's been cool to see them all kind of pouring in there and and chatting with some folks that literally haven't talked to in two three years you know but uh, it's it's been good stuff all right guys so that is our show i want to thank you for tuning in um as always if you want to give us a topic or be on the show hit us up on biomass.com but that being said have a good week and we'll see you next time
Thank you.